a better example of what you need to be to make your stand uh, to be everything you can be for God. I know that Jared and his, his counselors have brought uh, you through Ephesians chapter 6 on the whole armor of God. And in that, you know, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, it tells you how that you are to take your stand for the Lord. Talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And you already have that, so we don't have to spend a lot of time with that. But it talks about the warfare of the believer. And uh, building this week, you young men and women, into uh, these last days that can, you can take a stand. It's been said for years and years and years and years that if you don't stand for, if you stand for nothing, you're going to fall for everything. And, you know, we want you to leave here this week with, with a purpose, with a goal. And over the next few days, uh, Herb and I uh, are going to lay out and apply uh, to each of you the principles of the Word of God. We're going to talk about each issue, especially I am in the evening, that Daniel had the face and how each one of you will have to face the same issues. And it's a thing where, you know, the first thing I want to do tonight is I kind of want to lay a groundwork for where I'm going to go. And I want you to understand, uh, you know, where I'm coming from. I want you to see, you know, my heart in this thing, and I want to show you um, the first biblical principle you have to understand about life. God has, you've heard it already, you're going to hear it throughout this week, God has something for each of you. And it's no accident that you're here. You're here by God's design. Yeah, I know your parents let you come and all that stuff, but God worked through the whole system to get you here. And uh, because he's got something that he wants you to accomplish in life. Now, at the same time that God has something that he wants you to do, the devil wants to stop you from doing it. And this is where the battlefield is. This is where the battle is going to be. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to pull any punches with you. It's a beautiful camp. You're going to have fun. You're going to do lots of fun things, and we're going to have a good time. But don't think for a minute that the devil's not going to work overtime this week to try to take from you what God wants to give you. I promise you he's going to. And my goal is to help you to get to the point where you, you make a stand, and you take a stand for the Lord. And, you know, I want to show you the first great principle that you need to understand. Life as a Christian, this is true. Life as a young person, this is true. And life as an adult, it's also true. And these three things that I'm going to talk about for a moment will be the real key to not only you standing for the Lord, but it was the key for Daniel to stand for the Lord. And it's overlooked many, many times. Most people get into the story of Daniel. They jump right in and they start at it, which is all good. And they give a lot of good stuff. With me, and those of you who know me, I always work something down to the lowest common denominator in the Bible. When I see something and it's a great story, I know that if I divide that down, I'll get to the bottom line of what really the whole thing sets as the precedent. And I've just followed that rule for years and years and years. And uh, most of the things that I'm going to lay out tonight, when you hear Daniel, they're, they're overlooked. And it's okay. I want you to see it tonight. And this week will be a special week because, you know, we're going to try to get some things done. But I want you to know this, and, and listen to me tonight because we're going to build on this the rest of the night.
The Christian life will just be about three things. Everybody tries to tell you how complicated the Christian life is. Many times it's, it, it looks complicated. And many times it's complicated by the dumb things that we do. And you're going to hear preachers, theologians, and everybody tell you that the Christian life is this and that, and you've got to do this. Let me tell you something. The Christian life is just about three things. First thing it's about is the chances. If you're a Christian, your Christian life is about the chances, the opportunities that God is going to give you. Your rest of your life, it's going to be about opportunities that God opens up the doors and gives you. In the Bible, in the book of Revelation, you've got the church of the open door, you've got the church of the closed door. And you're going to find that the first thing about your life that you want to know is that God has an opportunity out there for you to do something for him. The second thing that you need to understand about life is life is not only the chances or the opportunities that God gives us, but life is about the choices we make. And the choices we make many times will determine whether we ever get to the, the things that God wants us to do. And the third thing, and the first two will, will, are all based on this, the third thing that the Christian life is is simply the boundaries that we set in our lives. And I want to talk to you about that tonight. The areas of life, the world, that we simply will not permit to come into our lifestyle. Setting boundaries. Now, boundaries in the Bible is one of the great studies in the Bible. And yet, we also see it in everyday life. I mean, there isn't hardly anything that, that we, we do in life that doesn't have boundaries to it. You see signs that say, do not enter. You see signs that say, no trespassing. You see in sports, you play volleyball, but you got boundary lines. In softball, you can hit the ball great, but if it goes out of bounds, it's a foul ball. You find it in football. I mean, you can be running down the line, and all you got to do is touch one line on the bounds, and you're out of bounds. Everything. And you know, in sports and in life, especially sports, there's penalties when you get out of bounds. If you're at four feet from the goal line to make a touchdown and you touch on the line, the penalty is you're out of bounds. Everything in life. And when you see in the Bible, like the book of Judges, the book of Judges, the nation of Israel got completely out of bounds. They left everything that God gave them. We look at America and the problems we have in America, I'll tell you. And if somebody wants to talk about the Republicans, the Democrats, talk about this, talk about that. The problems in America come down to one aspect, no boundaries. We don't have any boundaries on our southern border. We don't have any boundaries on our northern borders. We don't have any boundaries of morals. We don't have any boundaries of education. America is a nation without boundaries, and all you see around you is because that everybody's out of bounds. It's just that simple. And, uh, and for us to really understand God in our Christian life and to look at Daniel's life, which we're going to get into tomorrow night, you need to see that God sets boundaries. It's something you don't hear preached today. I get it. And there's going to be consequences when we step outside those boundaries. It's just like playing sports, man. Except this is called the game of life. 
I watched, a, I had a, a, a painting that Dr. Ruckman did or a drawing did uh, that he had did years and years and years ago and I had it for a long time and it was about, it was the, the sermon he preached, you know he would draw when he preached and the sermon was called The Game of Life and he's up there preaching and he's drawing a stadium with people in it, you know, and then he's drawing a Christian standing at the plate and then he's got the pitchers, the devil and throwing him a fiery fastball. That's the game of life. Most of you young guys who like to play baseball or softball, you go to batting cages. And batting cages, I've always thought, was a lot like the Christian life. I mean, you got this machine, you step up there, and the ball comes down, you hit it. Another one comes down, you hit it. And then the machine goes haywire, and it starts throwing balls out every two seconds. You can't hit them all. Pretty soon they start hitting you. That's life. That's life. It's never going to be easy, but it's, it comes down to boundaries. And the, turn to your Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 17. And when you get out of bounds, there's consequences. You go, I'm not a golfer, but you go playing golf, you got these beautiful greens that you're supposed to stay into to get the ball down. When you get whacked out of there and, and, the, and, the, and the ball goes out of the green, it goes into something they call the rough. And that's out of bounds. And in your life, when you get out of bounds, you're going to wind up in the rough. I don't know what your favorite ice cream is, but when you get out of bounds, you better change it to Rocky Road because that's what it's going to be. Now look over here, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. God speaking here, and he says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Verse 27. That you should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he not be far from every one of us. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight. Help these kids. As we kick off this camp to do some great things and see some great things, we pray, Father, that you'll open up, open up their hearts this week. We have done everything we know to do, everything humanly possible, to make this a workable situation. But it'll fail miserably without the Holy Spirit of God doing his work. So we ask you, we ask you, Father, to cleanse us, keep us clean, to give us the, the, the clarity of thought and when we teach and when we lay out and help us, Father, to, to be everything that uh, we need to be. And Lord, we just love you and we just praise you and give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name for a sake we ask it. Amen. Now that verse tells us that when God set it all up, way back in the time, he set boundaries for men bounds of their habitation. And if you look at 27, the reason for those boundaries were given to man was one, for him to be able to seek the Lord, two, for him to be happy, and three, that he could ultimately find the Lord. And you could safely say that in the last 6,000 years of man's history, with the tens of thousands of wars and battles and open conflicts all through life and all through the history of the world, it all came about because men would not stay in bounds where God set them in their boundaries. And this is where the problem starts. It's just that simple. In modern times, you study in history, 
You study the great wars of Napoleon when he fought against Russia. You'll find in World War I where Kaiser Wilhelm tried to take all of Europe. You'll find it in, in uh, uh, World War II with Mussolini and Hitler. They in, tried to take over the world. And every case, you know what the problem was? They didn't want to stay in their bounds where they were at. They weren't happy with Germany. They weren't happy with Italy. They weren't happy with France. They wanted to conquer the world and cause the war because they kept getting out of bounds. In Japan and World War II, they weren't happy with that. They wanted China. You go today. I mean, the China over there wants Taiwan. You go over to Russia. They want Ukraine. Every conflict in this world will come down to people, a country, the leadership, not willing to stay in bounds and stepping out of those bounds, and it always brings conflict, and it'll do the same thing in your life. Let me tell you something. You get out of bounds as a young man or a young lady, the war in Ukraine, the war in Japan, the war in Germany, look like kids shooting marbles. It'll destroy your life. It'll bring so much heartache and so many problems in your life that you, it'll overwhelm you. And that's just the way that it works. You see, God will set boundaries for a peaceful life. And man keeps getting out of those bounds and keeps causing all kinds of problems. We saw it start in Genesis when God put Adam and Eve down in the garden. He gave them boundaries. If you go down there, you can see the borders of the garden. He lists where it's at. They, that was their boundaries. He gave them boundaries on the trees that they could eat. He gave them bounds of their habitation. And in that, they had a great time with God. God came down and fellowshiped with them, had times in the Word of God, walked in the cool of the day. Everything was absolutely perfect. Perfect weather, perfect food. Nobody had to work. It was absolutely paradise. As long as they stayed in bounds. You know what the devil did? Somebody said, yeah, the devil got Eve to eat the apple or whatever she ate. Oh, yeah, the damn devil did this and the devil did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Forget whatever they ate. It's a grape, by the way. Forget whatever they ate. He got her out of bounds. Once they got out of bounds, it was all over. No more fellowship with God. No more sweet times of walking in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with him hand in hand, listening to all the things that he would tell them. So God now. There's consequences when you get out of bounds. And I want to press that upon you this week, kids. It's just that simple. And from that point on, through the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, God's people, they just keep getting out of bounds. When we get into the New Testament with God's people, they just keep getting out of bounds. When it comes to you here this week, and God going to do something in your life, the thing that will stop it dead in the water, is you're getting out of bounds. God put those boundaries in your life for a reason. And staying in bounds will be about the choices we make. God established boundaries for you and for me in this life so we could have a peaceful life, no matter what the world does. It won't matter. 
And those choices that we make will determine if we get the opportunities and the chances that God has for us. I'm going to say it again. God has something he wants you to do. But it's going to require you to take your stand and stay in bounds. This week, it's safe to say, will probably be a life-changing week for each of you one way or the other. Some of you this week will come to the conclusion that you really want to give your life to God. And you're going to leave here with the determination to be everything that God wants you to be. Some of you will make the choice this week to just stay the way you are. And I feel bad about that, but I, I understand that that's just, the, that's just the way that it goes. It's just the way that it, uh, it, it all unfolds itself. I understand that. And uh, this week, I want to focus on you to dare to be a Daniel, one of the great studies and stories in the Bible. And you know why? Because he's right where you are. He's probably 15, 16, or maybe 17, maybe 18 years old when this all happens. And as a young man back in his home country with Israel, it's obvious you don't know who they were. Their names are not given. You don't have any back. But it's obvious that somebody established some boundaries in his life. I know it probably was his parents, but along with that was the very culture of an Old Testament Jew. It was structured by the law. The law's boundaries. And then in the New Testament, the Word of God structures for us boundaries. And, and tonight, I, I'm just asking you that you would give me and Herb your complete attention over the next couple of days. We want to give you what it will take to take your stand for God. Paul says that the Christian life is like a race that we all have to run. And yet he tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that there's a crown associated with that race at the end, but you don't get the crown unless you run lawfully. Running lawfully means you stay in bounds. And you will see this week that that's the real key to, to Daniel. With everything he faced, the bottom line, the lowest common denominator of his life was that somebody established boundaries in his life. And staying in those boundaries when he was offered everything to step outside of those boundaries was the key to him. I want you to have fun this week. I want you to enjoy yourself. I've spared no expense or time in just getting stuff like this that you guys can just, can just get something out of camp and have fun. I try to pick up stuff that, that, all, that everybody would like on one way or the other because I, I want you to have a good time. They've got all kinds of things planned for you. But it really comes down in camp to a, a balance. I want you to have a good time, but I want you to take the services very seriously. I want the counselors to want you to listen to them. And I know we got staff people here and all that, and I'm, I'm going to lay down a few rules of my own. I don't care who you are, what you do, how spiritual you think you are. I don't want anybody 
witnessing to these kids, talking to them about their salvation or doing anything except the counselors. The counselors, that's their responsibility. We got a lot of young kids here that, that I, don't want to, I don't want to get them turned off because they get intimidated. Let the counselors deal with it. And it's a thing where that, uh, that's what they're here for. Uh, Herb and I are here to preach the Word of God. This other staff are out here to get everything done, the grunt teams and all that. The counselors do the counseling and the work. That's not my job. It's not Herb's job. It's not anybody's job but the counselors. Somebody comes to me and says, well, Bob, I want to do this or I want to get saved or I want to do that. I call the counselor. It's the chain of command that we follow. It's the structure that we use. And that's why it has to work. Because God is going to work this week through the system we've got in play. And it's something that I think is going to be, uh, give us a great balance. Because that's what it takes in camp. Uh, come to the service morning when Herb preaches. He'll have some great stuff for you. Nighttime, uh, we'll have some stuff out of the Word of God for you. And I want you to really focus and listen. I want you to have fun and have a great time. But I want you to focus and listen on what God wants to say to you this week. You kids are really special to me. Your parents are my friends. Most of your parents work with me in ministry, and and I love them very much, and they've been with me many cases before you were born. And I love them very much. And you know, I've done a lot of camps over the years, and, and this is certainly not a criticism because it works sometimes. I could have brought in some good camp speaker in who would have done a good job. Uh, and he would have preached, and he'd have done good, and, and, and all of those things. But, but he really doesn't have any connection to you because he has no real investment in you. I have an investment in your family. I have an investment in you. You know, I've already invested in most of your families. And I, 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 I see you all the time. I, I know who you are. I know where your struggles are. Your moms and dads, they talked to me. They told me before camp, hey, so-and-so is dealing with this, or Susie just killed somebody last week. We need to really deal with that. I, I understand all those things, okay? And I brought Herb in. I brought Herb in. And I brought Herb in because Herb and I have a long history together. He was there for me. He made the investment in me. He's made an investment in this church. He loves you and you love him. And I trust him that he'll make an investment in you. He's not gonna, just going to be some guy we bring in and does the job and goes home. He's got an active interest in every one of you and in our church. And uh, he made the investment in me. 50-some years ago. And now he's still making investments in people, and he'll make it investment in you. For me, with a camp speaker, you know, you'd bring him in, and he'd finish up Wednesday night, and then Thursday morning he'd go on his way, and then, uh, you know, we'd all end camp, and we'd go our way. For me, Thursday morning is not going to be the end. Thursday morning is only going to be the beginning. Hey, kids, we have everything in our church, everything that we need. I tell people all the time, 
You know, I, I deal with people who make a lot of bad choices and they have to deal with a lot of issues, and I understand that. And I, and I try to help them. But I, I tell you, in our church, with all that we have and all the people that you have and all the Bible that's taught and all the older people who are just there to help everybody and mentor people and work with them, I'm going to tell you something. There is absolutely no reason in our church for anybody to make a bad decision in anything unless you just want to because you have everything you need. You have the Bible upside down and inside out. I mean, I look at my little kids back there that I've adopted from England. They got nobody. They got no church except ours. They got no fellowship with anybody. Nobody's there to help them. Nobody disciples them. Our church is truly a lifeline to you. And my point is simply this. Look at them. They got nothing and they made it. They got nobody fellowshipping with them. When they go out and eat pizza, they go by themselves. You have pizza over there? Oh, fish and chips. When they go eat fish and chips, they go on by themselves. They don't have the friends that you have. They don't, they don't have any of that. And look at them. They made it. Amen. They're here. They love the Lord. They love the Word of God. <laughs> they love being here. And I already talked to them. We're going to commission them and send them back to England as our missionaries. We're going to pour everything we can into them. And we're going to support them after they're gone. But my point is this. If they can do that without nobody except God and the Word of God in their life, why can't you guys? All my counselors, guys and gals, stand up. Oh, everybody. Workers, everybody. Look, guys. You see these guys and gals? They're here for you, man. Look around. They don't have anybody. You got all these people. You got everything that you need. You don't have to make any more bad choices. You don't have to make a mess out of your life. You don't have to do any of that. You have something here that most churches don't have. Look at them. Look around you. You know why they're here? They're here because they love you. Sit down. Why can't you make it, kids? And my goal this week is to get you to make it. For me, Thursday morning is just going to be getting. Danny and Jared, uh, they have plan, a plan already to keep you going from camp. If you don't live here in this town, we'll, we'll work it out. That We'll get you dialed in to however we got to do that. I love you, kids, all of you. But in my time in the ministry, I've seen too many kids swallowed up by the world. I've seen too many of them die before their time. I've preached many of their funerals. I've tried to consult their moms and dads. I've seen them get hooked on drugs and take their life. I've seen them get hooked on alcohol and take their lives. I've seen them so get so despondent in life that they committed suicide. I've seen so many kids with great potential yet be destroyed and never fulfill their destiny with God. And I would be lying to you if I did not tell you this next couple of days, I'm on a crusade. I'm on a crusade to get every one of you 
to take your stand for God instead of stand for the world. And it's easy here, isn't it? You got people around you that love the Lord and the atmosphere is permeated with the Bible and the Holy Spirit of God. But I have told this to your moms and dads many times and you've probably heard me say it too. I don't want to lose one more kid to the world. I've had 50 plus years of young men and young ladies, camps, Bible conferences, retreats, and so has Herb. I guess between me and him, we have over a, probably well over 100 years experience of dealing with camps. We know what we're doing. And this week, we will, through all of this, try to build into your life everything God wants you to be, to dare to be a Daniel. This camp is on multi-levels. You've heard me say that. First off, we got you kids. And you mean everything to me. And that's why we're doing everything we're doing for you. The next level is all my young singles that have never been to camp before. And you're here as counselors, staff, grunt workers, whatever. Don't think for a moment that God's just going to work in their life. This is a growing experience for you. This is going to make you more invaluable to me because you're going to look to see how I operate. You're going to see how God operates. You're going to see God work down in these kids' lives. Many of these kids will go home changed. You will too. And then my missionary kids back here. I'm so happy you're here. And uh, truly, I just, I love you to death. I just, it just, it, God is doing some great things in our church. I've never had a camp that was, went international before, but we are now. And uh, it's a thing where I, I, I just can't, I can't hardly handle it. It's so exciting. But I'm coming after you this week, kids. Years ago, long before any of you were born, when I was in the Army, we had a medic who, got, who came into our company, transferred in. He'd just come back from combat in Vietnam, and he was a combat medic, and, but he had been awarded a Silver Star. Now, that's pretty rare because a medic is a non-combatant and a silver star is or somebody who's a combatant. And we got to be good friends. And, uh, you know, he told me this story, and I've never forgotten this story, how that, uh, you know, his fire base where he was stationed, and a fire base was a base that was way out in the middle of enemy territory. You'd build a perimeter. You'd have maybe three or 400 guys there, mountain yards, the Vietnamese people. And uh, you'd build a perimeter wall around it, and you were right in the middle of VC where you could do insurgent patrols out and do some damage. Many of them got overrun. His got overrun, almost overrun. And he told me the story how his fire, fire base was, was, was surrounded and overwhelmed. And he was the only medic. And there was no evacs because they were mortaring it and artillery in it and coming over the wire. And it, there was no way to get anybody in to get anybody out. He had all of these wounded guys that were adding up by the numbers. 
Some of them were wounded very badly. Some of them were not going to, not going to make it. And he, you know, he was the only medic they had. And he was overwhelmed. And he felt so helpless that uh, he couldn't save them all. And he told me that he, he got so frustrated and so emotionally overwhelmed that he, he left and went to the captain, his CO. And uh, he told his captain how he felt, that he just like he was failing these guys. And he felt a real sense of guilt because he had guys dying and, you know, and he didn't, didn't, couldn't do anything for them. And he was, they would keep coming in being wounded and he was one guy. And this, I mean, you can imagine the chaos in the middle of a raging battle. He said his captain was a real leader. I've met men like this. And he said, I, I poured my heart out to the captain, and he said, I, I, I don't know what to do, sir. I just am overwhelmed. And, and, and the captain stood up, and he, he, put, he put his arm around him, and he said, son, it's okay. War is a terrible thing. And in war, people are going to die. He said, just do two things. Do the best job you can and save as many of them as you can. And he says, at the end of the day, God's got to take care of the rest. I've never forgotten that. And this week, I feel overwhelmed. I feel a tremendous burden for every one of you kids. And I'm not somebody who thinks of the pie in the sky. I understand that I'm not going to get all of you. I understand that every camp there will be holdouts who just, you're going to continue to make bad choices. I have never forgotten what that medic told me. And I carried it on into my ministry because the ministering can be overwhelming and you can get a sense of guilt that you're not, what you could have done more or this or that and, and, and that'll mess with your mind. And I have used that, what he told me, so many years. And I'm telling you right now, and I know I'm speaking for Herb too, I'm going to follow that same advice that that captain gave his medic. I'm going to do the best job I can this week and I'm going to try to save as many of as I can. Some of you I'm going to try to save from the fires of hell. Some of you I'm going to try to save from a life of disastrous bad choices. That's all I can do. God's going to have to do the rest. The Holy Spirit of God is going to walk up and down these aisles. You're going to be out there playing and doing your thing, and yet you won't see him, but the Holy Spirit of God will be walking down that trail. He'll touch your heart. He'll touch your life. He'll try to reveal himself to you and show you what he really wants you to do. It can get confusing. It can get emotional. This is why, in all the fun that you do, you need to get your rest at night. That's part of the balance. You need to go to sleep when lights are out and get the best rest you can. No shaving cream in a guy's hand while he's asleep and then tickling his nose and he smacks his face with it. 
We used to do that when I was a kid, remember? <laughs> Next four days, in the boundaries of this camp, God has established some boundaries. Danny already told you. The road over here and the road over here. No quick trip. You want something for a little extra? I'll smuggle it into you. No TV. No outside world. Why? Because when God establishes boundaries, he establishes them so you can seek the Lord find true happiness and through your seeking and happiness this week find the Lord. In the years to come every time I go back to Ohio I time I go back to Ohio I, I, I drive by Camp Choff. It's where it all started for me. I set up my telescope there and showed kids the gospel that was developed into the gospel of star ministry. We had a big concrete slab up there where I used to set the telescope up. I'd walk up the back. Slab's gone now. But I'd just stand there and think about that's where God dealt with me. That's where God put it in my heart to do the ministry. In the Bible, there's a place where Jacob is called Bethel. And one of the great messages that you'll ever preach is the message called Back to Bethel. Because that's where Jacob went every time he got right with God. Every time he wanted to get close to God, he went back to Bethel. Camp Choff was my Bethel. You know what? Some of you older kids here, <laughs> your Bethel's old McDonald's farm. I don't think anybody here was at Old McDonald Farm. Oh, you were. Oh, back here you are. Yeah, the cooks all were. You know? Yeah, E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> we had the greatest Bible conferences with Mel Sabaka, Jim uh, White. Did you ever there for those? No, I went there. I mean, we had some great times. And God really did a lot. And I have people all the time tell me, you know, I've never, never forgot what God did for me up there. And you know what? Two, three, four years from now, hopefully, you'll drive down 440 Highway. You'll see that big sign, Salvation Army. And this will be your Bethel. This will be where God put it in your heart to do what he wants you to do. I wish I could save all of you. I do. Either from hell or from a life of disaster. I wish I could. But I know I can't. And I know God is willing to do everything, but it comes down to your choices. But I'm going to do the best job I can this week, as Herb will. And I'm going to save as many of you as I can. That's how I've looked at my ministry ever since I got into it. Because it can be overwhelming sometimes. And this is an overwhelming week for me because I love you so much. And I want to 
I want to do good for you, and I want you to be good for your parents. But I know the reality of that is the fact that it's your choice. So I'm just asking you. I love you. I didn't really preach to you tonight. I just wanted you to see my heart. You'll get a different me tomorrow night. But I wanted you to see me tonight where I'm at because I want you to get on board. In the day and age that we live in with the way this world is going, there is nothing out there in the world for you. We need to set some boundaries this week. And we're going to do it by looking at Daniel's life, getting an inside look, and then we're going to dare to be a Daniel. I love you, kids. You have fun tonight. Get some rest tonight. Come in the morning ready to hear what Herb's got to say. Tomorrow night, we'll get into Daniel. Your counselors are here for you. They'll meet every spiritual need you've got. All the things that you need, they'll take care of. That's what they're here for. And I love you very much. Let's pray, and then I'll turn it over to Danny, and then he can go from there.